0: So I think what you find with alternatives are exposures that can offer you another source of return, you know, lower correlation to equities and bonds. And that diversification effect is just going to really enhance the stability of your portfolio returns over the long term.
1: Welcome to Deep Dive a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these episodes, we put our investment strategies under the microscope so you can see how they work for your clients and your practice. Today, our experts will take you under the hood of BMO's portfolio completion ETFs, which provide access to the best parts of the alternative universe, including gold equities, global infrastructure, REITs, and option strategies. Before we hear from our experts, please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you find this episode enlightening, Share it with your professional network.
2: Hello there. Welcome to BMO ETFs Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Nezel, ETF specialist with BMO ETFs. And Chris Heeks is here. Chris, of course, is one of our ETF PMs, taking a little break from the desk today to talk to us about alternative investing using ETFs. Great to have you back, Chris. Lots to talk about on this topic.
0: Thanks, Danielle. And, um, you know, glad to be back here.
2: I think this is often something retail investors can overlook using alternative solutions in their portfolios, so alternative assets or alternative strategies, which are uncorrelated to both equity and fixed income, and so would be important for portfolio construction and diversification. Historically, an investor would focus on maintaining some sort of split between equity and fixed income holdings and feel like they had sufficient portfolio diversification, but this is not enough as we witness in March when fixed income and equity markets both drop drastically and at the same time. So Chris, why should we be paying more attention to alternatives in our portfolios today?
0: I think it's all about constructing the best portfolios, you know, that you could possibly construct. You know, I think, you know, the traditional equity fixed income portfolio, you know, has worked very well traditionally, but you know, as things tend to do things are getting tougher and tougher. And I think one of those, you know, components is obviously fixed income yields are are quite a bit lower than they were five, 10, 20 years ago. Um, so really, when you're constructing, you know, a portfolio, I think you have to, you know, find all the re- all the sources of return that you can and, and uh, you know, most, as importantly, you know, take advantage of all the diversification opportunities that are available to you. So I think what you find with alternatives are, you know, exposures that, you know, can offer you, you know, like I said, another source of return, but, you know, lower correlation to equities and bonds, you know, and that diversification effect is just going to kind of really enhance the stability of your portfolio returns over the long term. So, you know, I think, um, you know, it's also, we would call it, you know, portfolio completion. You know, I think we've got a few ideas here that can can really complement the core of your portfolios and, and add some exposures that will, Um, you know, enhance those portfolio returns and the resiliency of those portfolios.
2: Let's start with gold. This is a classic alternative asset class, given its historically low correlation to equities and safe haven characteristics. Gold is benefiting from a lot of economic tailwinds right now, historic amounts of monetary stimulus, inflation concerns, market uncertainty, and rock-bottom yields. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on gold as an alternative asset class and why specifically would the BMO Equal Weight Global Gold ETF, ZGD, make sense as a play on gold miners instead of the physical metal?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's interesting that that Warren Buffett just recently uh, made his real first foray into gold, you know, and, and we obviously always like to watch what Warren Buffett's doing. And he bought a big stake into Barrick Gold, you know, the largest gold miner. Uh, in the universe, you know, he said that the backdrop for gold right now is, you know, essentially, you know, you know heavenly. That wasn't the word that he used, but he, the backdrop is very, very good. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. The the correlation to equities is is very low. You know, again, gold. You know, then I'll speak about the commodity first. But gold as a commodity, you know, gives you a source of return. You know, long term return of gold somewhere around six percent. But, like you said, the nice thing about it is it often gives you those returns when you want it the most. So when equities are struggling and you're having backdrops of increasing monetary stimulus and mon- uh, market uncertainty as you mentioned, you know this is when gold tends to prosper, and we saw it, gold prosper in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, and we're again seeing you know covid you know, and what's really you know a record backdrop for stimulus, the gold price is obviously doing quite well. Uh, this year. So it's a it's a it's a great strategic to holding to have to kind of hedge against equities. And, you know, as well, the specific backdrop right now, I think, is also very, very strong. You know, in talking about gold equities, you know, kind of the little bit of the difference there is the gold equities give you leverage to the gold price. Typically, the miners, you know, have a lot of leverage because they have, you know, a lot of fixed costs in their business. So they're very highly sensitive to that price of gold. So, you know, typically in years like this, you know, where gold is rallying, you know, often the equities are doing, you know, even much better. So, you know, year to date, gold is up 30 percent. You know, ZGD, our global gold, equal ETF, is up 44 percent. So, you know, a nice pick up there, you know, and then even, you know, it's more staggering if you look at it from the bottom of the equity market. You know, from the March low, gold is up 14 percent. ZGD is up 87 percent. So, you know, pretty staggering return there. And it shows you, you know, the power of the leverage to that gold price, you know, that you can get with the gold equities. You know, I think the backdrop for gold equities is pretty good. You know, like like we said, the monetary stimulus is certainly a great backdrop for the gold price. You know, as well, we're seeing a lot of stimulus that's overall, you know, um, imparting, you know, very good um, sentiment into equities in general. So, you know, if gold price is being, you know, somewhat boosted by stimulus and equities are being boosted by stimulus, then you put two and two together, gold equities, you know, the backdrop is very good for them. So I think, you know, definitely, you know, long-term strategic um, exposure to gold makes sense. And, you know, I think right now, again, it, it looks, you know, it's very favorable for Z V D. You know, a lot of analysts are calling for this gold price to go, you know, even quite a bit higher from where it is today, around $2,000 an ounce. So... I think it's a good opportunity for investors to seek diversification and a source of return there.
2: Yeah, I've seen some predictions even at 2500 an ounce or, or some even higher. Obviously, those mining companies making huge profits over those fixed mining co- uh, costs right now. Certainly a great time for these companies.
1: You're listening to Deep Dive, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're looking for timely trade ideas to navigate the current market, We encourage you to tune in each Thursday for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes. You'll hear razor-sharp insights, commentary, and ETF strategies from our portfolio managers, as well as questions submitted directly from our audience of Canadian financial advisors.
2: Another alternative asset class, which is a great diversifier as well, and perhaps maybe less talked about right now, is Infrastructure. So, a sector which surely benefits from the huge amount of fiscal stimulus and government spending, um, where a lot will be directed at building and maintaining airports, marine ports, toll roads, cell phone towers, hard assets which constantly need to be sustained and renewed. So, Chris, how do you see this sector playing out over the short and uh, long term? And secondly what does the BMO Global Infrastructure ETF look like under the hood? What types of hard assets does this ETF invest in?
0: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we've gone from gold, which is, you know, you know, a little more of a, let's be honest, a volatile sector. Infrastructure is much more defensive, um, you know, much more stable over the long term. You know, when you talk about the long term, you know, even the short and long term outlook for infrastructure, it's, it's hard not to be very constructive and we're, We seem to be perpetually constructive on infrastructure for the simple reason, like you said, the demand is always there. You know, the demand for infrastructure globally, you know, is staggering and in the trillions of dollars over the next 25 years. You know, these, in many cases, are projects that can be postponed, but they cannot be postponed indefinitely. You know, infrastructure needs to be dealt with. You know, there's a lot of new infrastructure being built in the world, whether it's in the developed world with cell phone towers or if it's in the emerging world, you know, with kind of, you know, kind of a very new infrastructure, you know, the, the need and demand is huge across the world. So, you know, always very constructive from a demand side, you know, from from a specific, you know, point where we are right now, again, like you said, I think it's very constructive in, in that, you know, we've got a lot of stimulus um, happening in the market and certainly infrastructure is a lar- going to be a large logical target for, for a lot of that stimulus. You know, it's something that regardless of the election in the U.S. coming up, you know, a republican or a democratic um you know president you know i think you know all sides kind of agree on infrastructure you know i think i think it's something you know a rare issue that everyone can agree that it that is a good investment so yeah i think it's you know it's very constructive in terms of our um you know our our etf you know it's composed of you know basket of utilities pipelines and REITs. uh so Fairly, you know, a more defensive sector, again, as we navigate COVID, maybe being in defensive sectors and, and regulated utilities is not a bad thing uh, for a portion of your portfolio. You know, the REITs are the most, you know, attractive, I think, part of the portfolio and, and have grown the most substantially. The REITs that are in our ZGI are all cell, cell phone tower REITs on the US. So, you know, American Tower and Crown Castle being two, two of the biggest ones, they're almost 30% of the portfolio now, and as we move towards that 5G acceleration, I think it's a very interesting little subsector within our, uh, excuse me, within our uh, infrastructure ETF. So, uh, yeah, great backdrop. And, you know, it typically gives you, again, like like these alternatives we're discussing, a, a lower correlation to equities and, and bonds than, than broad equities. Uh, so it's, um, you know, a very good portfolio completion tool to have a little bit in that in your portfolio.
2: Now, when we talk about hard assets, we can also look to real estate, and specifically the BMO Equal Weight REIT ETF ZRE. So this is also a play on real assets, but investors have gotten a little skittish around this sector because it is more connected to economic activity, and the shutdown of malls and office towers and restaurants have put this sector under some stress. Chris, what is your outlook on real estate as an alternative asset class? And why would ZRE be a good choice, given its subsector exposures and equal weighting methodology?
0: Yeah, I think this, the REITs is, um, you know, I think it's a very interesting play right now. It's definitely more of a value play. It's more of a, you know, a long-term recovery play. You know, as we're, as we're kind of uh, speaking, you know, the s and is at an all-time high. You know, so you might think, okay, we've had a V-shaped recovery, but it, it really hasn't been a V-shaped recovery across all areas of the market. Uh, you know, the S&P has been driven by technology, you know, and healthcare to a second extent. It's really, been those two sectors, um, that S&P now at end up back to an all-time high has not brought all sectors along with it. You know, so in, in terms of those sectors that have underperformed, certainly REITs would be, you know, um, would be right up there in terms of underperforming broad indexes this year. Certainly a lot of concern over the path of what a recovery looks like. You know, I'm fairly um, constructive. Um, but we have to understand is you know this is not a v-shaped recovery in the economy, even if it was a v shaped recovery in the s and p. so it's, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. But if you know you look at the underlying exposures, you know, retail and residential reITs, you know, I think you know stores are reopening, we're starting to see more traffic going into restaurants, um, you know, not just patios dining inside now, so there's 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 a recovery that's happening there. residential obviously there's there's been some government support, but you know, I think these are sectors that, I, that do recover over time. You know, the office subsector is the one that I think is a little more potentially is going to take some kind of long-term hit from this where, you know, uh, demand for office square foot, you know, real estate is likely to go down. And, you know, as companies you know, navigate more working from home type of arrangements. Uh, but, again, office exposure is actually relatively small in our ZRE. It's about 8%. It's a little bit higher in the, in the market. Uh, cap weighted index. So, we're a little smaller and equal weight. So, overall, I think the outlook is pretty good. If you look at the valuation right now, you know, 10-year bonds are yielding 0.5%. ZRE is yielding uh, 5.3. So, it's almost a 5% spread to, um, to the government note. And, you know, just to put that in historical context, we haven't seen that level since the 2008 financial crisis. So, you know, essentially a 10-year 10, 12-year kind of valuation peak, I think it's pretty interesting right now. I don't think it turns on a a dime, so to speak, but I think, you know, a year two years out, I think we will look back to say this was a good entry point for REITs, and I think it can add value, particularly if you're looking for that source of yield.
2: Yeah, that yield pick up really nice, especially for those uh, yield-focused investors looking to add some real assets or alternatives to their portfolio. Okay, let's turn to an alternative investing strategy, so different from the alternative assets, uh, something on BMO's shelf, the premium yield ETF, ZPay. So traditionally, when we think about alternative strategies, we might think of more complex ones like long shorts, market neutral, or managed futures. But here's the issue with those sorts of strategies. They tend to be illiquid, not accessible, or even inappropriate for retail investors. With ZPay, Investors can access one of BMO's innovative option-based strategies, which writes calls and puts to earn an enhanced yield, while also maintaining a defensive risk profile. Chris, why would ZedPay be interesting to investors from an alternative point of view?
0: Well, I think there's, there's, there's a few interesting things about ZedPay overall. You know, it's an equity-based strategy. You know, we invest in quality equities. It's, it's kind of partially invested in equities. So it fits to a lot of balanced investors kind of approaches. But I think the most interesting thing is, you know, the, that option overlay where we're selling puts as well as calls, you know, that gives that pay an ability to, to essentially monetize volatility. And, and usually you talk about volatility as a negative um, for equities, tends to be a negative for bonds as well. You know, volatility isn't necessarily a negative for ZPay in that, you know, when volatility is richer, we can get more income out of those puts and the calls. So that really, um, you know, gives that pay an ability to, you know, generate, you know, an attractive level of yield. I believe it's over six percent. It's 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 uh, it's tax efficient yield, and you know, I think that's, you know, it's 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 a unique aspect to to uh, to ZPay. You know, it's we're almost investing in volatility, you know, as an asset class, which is certainly an alternative strategy. You know, the other thing I really like about ZPay as well is is this kind of intelligent rebalancing feature that is embedded into it and you know it's part of this strategy that 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 you're mentioning so you know as we sell puts on equities what we're doing is we're selling puts on equities that we want to hold so what happens is if the market sells off then we'll buy the equities we want to hold but we'll buy them cheaper than they are today so i think it fits really well for investors who are you know a little bit on the fence with equities um they want some equity exposure, but but concerned about a sell-off, you know, for example, with the US election coming up, that's a potential source of, of volatility um, that, that could, could um you know um can trouble the markets if there's you know some uncertainty with regards to to some of the outcomes around it. So, you know, again for an investor who's a little bit on the fence, you can you can buy something like ZPay, you're gonna earn a great level of yield, you know, you have some equity exposure, and, and you know what, if markets sell off, you'll buy some more. And you know, typically buying low is a good time. And if markets, you know, take off from there, then we'll we'll sell we'll sell those calls and that'll lighten up on the equity. So I really like this kind of intelligent rebalancing feature, you know, monetizing the volatility. I think it's a very interesting solution for investors right now.
2: So Chris, you've given investors some great options for ETF which act as alternatives and that they're lower correlated to the broad market can offer alternative sources of alpha and bounce portfolio risk and volatility. So when we look to portfolio construction, just how much alternative exposure should we be adding to our portfolios today?
0: Yeah, and I think it's not a one-size-fits-all approach, but you know, generally speaking, you know, kind of in that 10%, maybe up to 20% I mean, you could you could you could think of this kind of your satellite allocation and then these alternatives fit very well in these satellite you know allocations you know i think it's you know specific with each client you know even even with something like zpay zpay you know it's a broadly diversified us etf you know that could really slide into your core us exposure so potentially it could be you know more than 10 or 20% you know if if it's fit for you as an investor so um, yeah, different ways to think about it. But, you know, I think overall, we think of, you know, alternatives as that kind of a satellite bucket of your portfolio. And again, could be 10, 20%, you know, quite easily. Um, you know, in terms of figuring out that problem, I do think it's unique to each client. And certainly where we pride ourselves in our resources that we have, you know, we've got a lot of, a lot of really good IP on our website. You know, we've got portfolio modeling tools. You know, we've got the white papers. We've got a lot of things to help investors think about these issues. And, of course, our team, you know, is always accessible to the public. And that's certainly that's something that we pride ourselves on, you know, the product team, the portfolio management team, and, of course, the sales team. You know, I think we're really here to help, you know, solve solve those portfolio construction problems and and try and, you know, make better portfolios for our investors and, and, so, and solve for their needs. So that's what we're here for as well.
2: Yeah, we really have some great resources. Uh, BMOETF.ca is the check-out our dashboard. Um, lots of good tools and resources there if you need help with figuring out how to add these to your portfolio. Well, thanks Chris for taking the time today to highlight the importance of alternative investing. These have been some really great uh, easy-to-access ETF ideas so we can add alts to our portfolios. Thanks, Danielle. My pleasure. That's all for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Check out that BMOETF dashboard, BMOETF.ca, for all your up-to-date information on ETF, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you to Daniel Nessel, BMO Product Specialist, and Chris Heeks, ETF Specialist and Portfolio Manager at BMO Global Asset Management, for joining us on Deep Dive. We hope you enjoyed this special episode, and remember, this is the same podcast for our weekly Views from the Desk episodes, available each Thursday morning, where you'll hear timely market commentary, insights, and innovative ETF trade ideas. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio manager represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time, without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investment should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statements that necessarily depend on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance.